Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. As New York looks to build out its green energy infrastructure with hundreds of battery energy storage systems, some Staten Islanders are concerned about the changes and potential dangers they could bring to the borough. So, you know, you live in in a neighborhood where you have a house next to you. If someone sells that house and that house is purchased by the city or a developer, it could be a battery energy storage site and you have no say about it. The sites are pretty significant. Mm. So the one that you're talking about on Travis Avenue is gonna be eight acres. When complete, that site is going to store enough energy to power 500,000 homes. Wow, just that site alone is that site alone. So according to census data, we have 180,000 homes, but that's gonna power 500. So that brings up the question about where our energy, we're gonna be here, you know, storing the energy on Staten Island. Right. But is it gonna stay in Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance community news and business reporter, Jessica Jones-Gorman, to discuss her ongoing coverage of the battery energy storage systems planned for Staten Island and the overwhelming opposition they've faced from members of the borough's community. Thanks for joining me today, Jess. I feel as though congratulations are in order. So the last time we had you on, we were talking about the real estate project that you were working on, which has since earned you an award for distinguished business reporting from the New York News Publishers Association. So congratulations on that and job well done as always. Well, thanks so much for that. And congrats to you as well. That was a group effort, big team effort here. I feel honored to be recognized for the work that we did on that. That was a really big story and a really big series for us. And it was really nice to have a chance to work on it, but it was also really discouraging. As we talked about on that podcast, because as a young Staten Islander who is one day maybe hoping to buy a house here, it was uh, pretty bleak when speaking to various mortgage lenders and real estate agents about what that might look like. So it was a little uh, shot to the ego, maybe, and, and a little sad in some ways. But I think that the reporting that you did on this, I contributed and other people contributed. And obviously, we've been recognized as as having done a great job on that. So if any of our listeners haven't heard that podcast, they can go back and, and find it. It was a really interesting chat. And so just wanted to shout that out at the beginning. But Obviously, we have you on today to talk about these battery energy storage systems. I don't know, for the shorthand, are we using BESS, BESS? What are we saying here? Yeah, BESS is what they're, they're referred to. BESS? Okay, it's a lot easier than saying battery energy storage system every time, so I'm going to go with that. So can you tell us a little bit just first about how we started hearing about this story, like when we started covering it? Because I feel like this kind of popped up out of nowhere in the last year or two. That's exactly how I feel. This was actually the result of a little bit of on-the-ground reporting. You know well that a big part of our job is being out and about, observing what's going on in the community. So I live in Great Hills, and I noticed a lot of construction activity going on in this one spot on Giffords Lane one morning when I was driving my kids to school. 
I did a little research to find out what was there. You know, just basically, as a reporter and as a Staten Islander, I wanted to know what was going on in my neighborhood. So DOB records indicated that it was some sort of energy storage site. So I didn't know anything about that. I reached out to the developer, who was Nine Dot Energy, and then their chief technology officer invited me down there. And we walked around the site. And, you know, he told me about the location and basically just informed me about what they were doing. It was the first time I had ever heard of best battery, battery energy storage. And in all honesty, I didn't know that this was a planned initiative for New York City. I had no idea. And stumbling across that site actually launched this deep dive into decarbonization for me. And this is where we're now. I've had same kinds of situations, especially back on my previous beat where I was doing transportation, where I would just be driving around the island and something would pop up and I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. I don't remember that being there. Let me look into that. So sometimes finding things organically like that is how we get to some of these bigger stories that like in this case, you just find something on your block and then the next thing you know, you've got a whole series of reporting coming out around it. So that's really cool and kind of a nice look into how some of this community journalism stuff really does work most of the time. So I guess the most important thing to kind of lay out at the front here is what are these battery energy storage sites? What do they look like? What do they do for anyone who's never heard of them before? as we hadn't. <laughs> sure. So basically, BESS is a type of energy storage system that utilizes lithium-ion batteries to store energy for use at a later time. So that's a lot of technical jargon. They're a buzzword in New York right now because according to city and state officials, big changes are needed to meet our ambitious climate goals. In 2016, the city introduced this thing called 80 by 50. It's basically a roadmap on how to reduce 80% of our carbon emissions by 2050. Mm -hmm. So BESS is a huge part of that. They're considered by the experts to be the best mode for the replacement of fossil fuels. So coal, oil, natural gas, this is the renewable energy source that they've decided upon is the best method. It's supposed to get rid of all of the global warming and battery sites are being dubbed a solution for that. Basically what they look like, they consist of several Tesla-branded megapacks. They're not always Tesla-branded, but mm -hmm. most, for the most part, the ones on Staten Island are. They're about the size of an SUV, and they're covered by a solar canopy. So at these sites, there's usually six to eight of them covered okay. by a solar canopy. And they're surrounded by a green fence, so you can't really look into them yet. And they have some guardrails for protection. The direct benefits that are being promised by the developers for these is that no more brownouts, no more blackouts, power outages are supposed to be the thing of the past. And NYSERDA, New York State Energy Research and Development Authority, they say that this form of energy storage is going to allow New York to better use existing resources and have fewer emissions. Yeah. And so it obviously sounds like there's a lot of positives to be had there, at least in the way that the uh, developers are viewing it and the government is viewing it. And we'll talk a little bit later about what some of the potential drawbacks are and what some of the concerns that Staten Islanders have about this. But it does seem like on its surface, this is something we've been hearing time and time again on, on previous podcasts that we've had with our former colleague, Joe Ostapi. We've talked about renewable energy sources and offshore wind and decarbonization and all of this kind of stuff. So it sounds like this is just another major component of those plans. So obviously this one is a bit more controversial than we've seen in some other ones, which we'll get into a little bit later. But I want to talk just first, I guess, a little bit about what the plans are for Staten Island specifically. And so are there any that are that are actually up and operating yet? There's one that's currently in operation. It's in the Fox Hill section of Staten Island, which is North Shore, that's Clifton, Rosebank in that area. Mm -hmm. It's actually located on Con Edison's property. So that's why that one has been built and it's in its operation because there was no zoning issues there. Right. They already own the land. They built it on their own land. Con Ed calls it New York City's largest, so, and I believe that it is. It's enclosed by a fence. It's shielded by a line of trees, but it is smack in the middle of a residential neighborhood. 
So neighbors who I've spoken with there have complained about how unexpected it was. Almost the day they woke up and it was there. They received some letters in the mail, but the letters were unclear about what was being put there. So that's why they were upset with it, because it literally is across the street from their homes. And there are several more that are underway. The one that we mentioned earlier in Great Kills, that's nearing completion. There's another one on Littlefield and Highland in Eltingville. That's finished, but it's not in operation yet. Okay. Wine and Place in Charleston is where another one is located. Uh, a lot's been cleared on Nelson Avenue in preparation for construction for another one. And that's not all that's coming. Uh, we have a list from the New York Independent System Operator, which is NYISO. It's an organization that manages New York's electric grid. Mm -hmm. So they provided me last week with a list, and that encompasses all of New York State. And there's more than 500 planned Wow. For New York. So they're all currently proposed for interconnection. That means the developer has already filed paperwork to apply for their structure to be connected to the grid. Yeah. And that's not an insignificant amount when you think about how large some of these sites are. And I know one of them that kind of stood out to me when reading your reporting was this site that is planned for Travis Avenue. So can you talk a little bit about that one? And that's what seems to be the trend here on Staten Island is that the sites are pretty significant. So the one that you're talking about on Travis Avenue is going to be eight acres. So that's entitled Swift Shore. That's the name of it. The structure is being developed by a company called Hecate Grid, and it's slated to be built at 3861 Victory Boulevard. According to Hecate, the site is within a mile of Con Ed's Fresh Hill substation, and that's going to interconnect. It's like 4,800 feet away from it. So there's going to be a line underground that, that connects that. Construction is about $300 million on that, and it's going to commence in the winter of 2025. And they hope to connect it to the grid in 2027. So it's in, it's in progress. When complete, that site is going to store enough energy to power 500,000 homes. Wow. Just that site alone. Just that site alone. We only have 180,000 homes on Staten Island. So according to census data, we have 180,000 homes, but that's going to power 500. So that brings up the question about where our energy, we're going to be here, you know, storing the energy on Staten Island. Right. But is it going to stay here? Yeah. So we're essentially building all of these different locations that are going to be building up and storing all of this energy to be used then by other parts of the city and state, I imagine. Right. Which is some of the noise that we've been hearing from residents, from elected officials. Yeah. And so I know another facet of this story that has been gaining a lot of traction is the fact that the city seems to want to make it easier for people to install these sites, right, by doing some zoning changes. And so I know that there's a proposal out right now that you've done some reporting on. So can you tell us a little bit about what the city is trying to do and what the reaction has been to these proposed changes? Sure. This zoning change is a piece of Mayor Adams' City of Yes. So this is the City of Yes for Carbon Neutrality, and it's an initiative that has to be approved by City Council, and that vote is going to be taking place in a couple of weeks. So if that happens and if this goes through, approvals for best structures are going to have fewer zoning limitations. Right now, these best systems are considered utility substations. So they're allowed to pop up in places that kind of have a commercial overlay. So it's not exactly in a residential neighborhood, but you know how like sometimes there's neighborhoods where you have a house next to a gas station. Yeah. And that's kind of why they've been popping up. A lot of them are next to gas stations. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it, they, they can be built as of right in these commercial zones. So anything with a commercial overlay. This proposal is going to change that though. And it's going to allow BEST to be installed in a wider range of zoning districts. And there's not going to be too many penalties or, or anything like that with that. Mm -hmm. There's really no size limits to it. Some size limits, but nothing major. So, and uh, this City of Yes Initiative 2 that's going to be voted on, it seeks to allow battery storage in and on residential buildings. So that means that they could put them on rooftops. 
they could put them in, in different places, you know, in an apartment building complex. We'll be right back. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multi-part podcast about Sean Sinisey, a victim of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Sarah Gannam, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation, where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to The Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and so let's talk a little bit now about what the concerns have been, right? Because we've been kind of dancing around that for a point and, you know, all the positives and what the city wants this to be and how it can help us. But like we've said, Staten Islanders have seemed to oppose these things for the most part. And so I'm curious, in your experience at the community board meetings and just talking to local residents who might have sites planned near their homes, what are you hearing in terms of why people seem to be so opposed to these? The main point of opposition, residents and the elected officials alike are saying that the units are changing the character of the community. (laughs) So, you know, you live in a neighborhood where you have a house next to you. If someone sells that house and that house is purchased by the city or a developer, it could be a battery on your storage site and you have no say about it. So it's kind of changing. You live you live on a block with all these cookie cutter houses and then all of a sudden one of those houses could be batteries. And some of them are springing up in kind of illogical areas. They're in close proximity to commercial properties. One in particular was supposed to be wedged in between a church and there was like four schools there, I think. Wow. That one got knocked down. I'll talk about that in a minute. Safety is also a concern. There was some fires at two best sites in Warwick, New York, over the summer. So it was storm-related issues that caused the units to ignite, and they burned for, oh, I think, more than a week. It was two separate incidents wow. in June. So that's another issue. Because if you look at the news, lithium-ion fires are kind of front of mind right now. They mm-hmm. become a common occurrence, and they're very explosive fires that are caused by a chemical reaction and they can't be extinguished with water like a normal fire. So there's that that you have to deal with too. And there's also concerns about off-gassing. Environmental experts in Warwick said that the town there was ensconced in toxic air for quite some time after those fires were burning. Several sites on Staten Island have already been voted down because of these reasons. In September of 2022, Community Board 3 unanimously passed a motion to deny best application. It was supposed to go next to Holderman's Bakery in Greek Hills, Mm -hmm. and they denied that one. And then that other one that we just spoke about, parishioners at Our Lady of Pity in Bullshead, they fought alongside Moore Catholic High School because they wanted to halt the construction last December because there was supposed to be one in between their two properties. And then the developer withdrew the plans in January. I think there's so many things to hit on there, but the character of the neighborhood is certainly one. The fact of removing the zoning regulations in that way or or easing them, so to speak, not that we're not going to have any restrictions, but... The idea of just having that next door as your next door neighbor. But then you also have the fires aspect of it, which is interesting to me because just in recent years, we've been hearing so much about the concerns regarding the lithium ion battery fires with e-bikes and e-scooters. And right. And so there's been fires that have started in other boroughs in the basement where people are storing their bikes or scooters. And then, like you said, these are particularly troubling fires because you can't extinguish them in the way that you normally would. There's chemicals being burned off that you may not see in like a standard wood fire or whatever it might be. I definitely understand the concerns there and the the safety issues, but I'm curious what you heard in your discussions with experts, because I know that you've also been speaking with experts in the field, and it seems that it to be almost a little bit divided, right? With some people like, oh, no, it's safe. It's good for us. And then other people are like, oh, no, it actually could be an issue. So what, what have those conversations been like? 
So the answer I keep getting to this question about are they safe is that the sites face rigorous testing before they're approved for use. But the red flag issues that I've seen in my research include the lack of time here. They haven't been time tested. They haven't been around long enough to Disney. say, okay, no, no, these are fine. And this has been happening for 10 years. So there's a lack of time there. And people are concerned because the technology is so new. I've been told time and time again that these are not the same quality e-bike batteries that are imploding on the news. Okay. So they're supposed to be higher quality. Sometimes those batteries that you see on the news are purchased through Amazon or purchased. Right. It's like the little hoverboards that you buy on Amazon and stuff like that for your kids. So these obviously are not. But FDNY officials that I've spoken with are concerned. This is a new form of fire prevention for them and one that's very stubborn to combat. So it is an issue and they are training on it and and drilling on it and and trying to figure out the best way. So it's something that is concerning to them. Yeah, absolutely. And so you had mentioned that the city is set to vote on this in the next couple of weeks. And so I'm just kind of curious when Staten Islanders might see some of these new sites popping up in their neighborhoods. And then obviously, if we get the voting changes, you could see even more proposed and more in the future. But I guess for the ones that are planned as of now, are there any that are coming in the immediate future or are they still all a bit of a ways off? So some of it, we have this huge list that's eight pages long of these 500. Wow. And there's, you know, dates on it, but nothing set in stone. Mm -hmm. But this vote, so the city council is a subcommittee on zoning. They held a public hearing on October 4th. And now they're deliberating on that proposal to change the zoning. I think they have about 50 days to do so. And Mm -hmm. once they have a decision, that subcommittee is going to vote, followed by a larger vote on the Committee of Land Use and ultimately the entire city council. So that's going to be happening, though, I would say within the month or before the year's end, just safe to say that. There's no exact timeline. They're going to make it public when those votes are scheduled. And so what have you heard from the local council members in terms of where they stand on this? Do Are we going to have overwhelming opposition or all three voting against it or some of them voting in favor? Have we gotten a sense of what our electeds or which way they're leaning on this, I guess? So I know they're listening to and hearing the concerns of Staten Island residents, but they are also doing their own research and trying to figure out what is best for Staten Island. We know that a green energy solution is needed. Right. But we just don't know, you know, where it should be and it should be in, in a residential neighborhood. So they're taking a lot of time and effort to really review it. Which I, I respect and totally understand because when things like this, it's such a dense topic and something that your average person isn't an expert on on energy storage. You were not an expert on energy storage and still you started having this as your job, right? And part of their job is to learn about the things that are being put in front of them. And so it does take time, especially with these more technologically savvy questions or just things that the average person isn't as in tune to, to to really make your own decision on that. So I'm interested to see where they land on it. I have a feeling that they will likely kind of echo the, the sentiments of Staten Islanders that we've heard, but I'm glad to hear that they're kind of really digging into this and making sure that they know exactly what it is that they're they're signing up for in some ways. So can you tell us just a little bit before we go, about the other stories that you have planned? Because I know that the one that posted, I don't know if it was yesterday or earlier this week, but that one was kind of deemed as the first in this series on these sites. So what what else can we expect in the in the near future? Sure. So we're going to take a closer look at the concerns, the safety of them. So to be honest, they, they have, from what I've learned, a 10-year lifespan. So after 10 years, these places are built, but they're done after that. So I want to know who's disposing of them after that. Will they dis- be disposed of here on Staten Island? Can they be recycled? Can they be used again? Mm-hmm. So we're going to look into that, do a deep dive. And then what happens if the sites that are built already, because there are some built already on Staten Island, if they don't get FDNY and DOP approval, are they going to become ghost sites? Are we going to be staying yeah. those? So that's a possibility too. That's something else that we're exploring. 
We're also going to report on where the energy is going. And we spoke about that. You know, yes, it's being stored here on Staten Island, but will Staten Island actually benefit from it? As per the data we're seeing, the sites that are already slated for construction are going to store way more than we need. So what happens to the excess? And we're going to take a look at the companies that are bringing sites, the sites here. Why are they choosing Staten Island? Yesterday, I spoke to an energy provider from Boston, and they're building one on the North Shore. And I asked them why Staten Island and why not a suburb in Boston. So we're going to look closer at that. And we're also hoping to profile some Staten Islanders who are already living with this. Who's living next to the ones that are constructed already? What's it like living there? How has this changed the dynamic of their neighborhood? So that's what we're hoping for. So if you have one in your neighborhood, please reach out. We'd like to hear from you. Great. Wow. Well, it sounds like you have a whole lot on your plate, so I'll let you go and get back to it. But I want to thank you again for joining me. Congratulations again on the award for the Real Estate Series. And it was great having you on as always. Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit SILive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.